Hello, everybody. This is Justin Crowder. I'm one half of the podcast. The other is Nash Kuhn. I'm the one responsible for recording what we talk about. And I have a rudimentary way of doing it, which involves Nash Kuhn calling in. And uh, anyway, that's problematic because I don't really know what I'm doing. And sometimes the audio is bad on his end, which is not his fault. My end is always clear because I'm the one on this side of the phone that's recording. Uh, Basically... This podcast is the second part of our discussion about Miss Dalloway. It's going to start and stop, unfortunately. There's a lot of meat to it, but um, it's not necessarily, it doesn't connect perfectly because of the times when I had connectivity issues when Nash was talking. And anyway, I apologize about that, and I'm going to work on fixing it. So basically this time versus last week, um, we discuss more uh, textual details about the book and go a little deeper, or we try to. So enjoy as best you can. All right, let's restart. So this is part two about Miss Dalloway. We're going to be talking more about the text, and she repeats this line a lot, Fear no more the heat o' the sun, which is from the play Cymbeline, right, by Shakespeare? Yeah. And do you want me to read the whole thing? Yeah, why not? Okay. Okay. So here we go. And then you're uh, then I'm going to pass it back to you to talk about the significance. So here we go. Fear no more the heat of the sun, nor the furious winter's rages. Thou thy worldly task hast done. Home art gone, and taken thy wages. Golden lads and girls all must, as chimney sweepers, come to dust. Fear no more the frown of the great. Thou art past the tyrant's stroke. Care no more to clothe and eat. To thee the reed is as the oak. The scepter, learning, physic must all follow this and come to dust. Fear no more the lightning flash, nor all the dreaded thunderstone. Fear not slander, censor, rash. Thou hast finished joy and moan. All lovers young, all lovers must consign to thee and come to dust. No exorciser harm thee, nor no witchcraft charm thee. Ghost unlaid forbear thee. Nothing ill come near thee. Quiet consummation have, and renowned be thy grave. Right. Um, so I don't know if that, that uh, song needs much explication. It's just about death and, you know, the good and bad things of life being done. Um, that's uh, like, uh, like we were talking about <laughs> before we had technical difficulties. Um that is like a little bit of a maiden thing for, you know, a 52-year-old woman to be repeating to herself throughout the day for no more the heat of the sun. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what gets stuck in her head. And uh, I think, I think, yeah, I, I think that's just like a pretty straightforward song. I, I think that uh, Wolf, not Wolf herself would have, you know, would have known, you know, the, the source of that. But I think she also probably would have expected years to have a source of that. So it's supposed to have, like, their being the, the whole... It's not just, like, a, a random line from a song that you hear that comes back um, and is, like, out of context. Um, I, I, think, I think it's supposed to have, like, the veil over it of the rest of the context. Mm-hmm. Um, I, wonder, I, I guess you could talk a little bit about what Virginia Woolf liked about Shakespeare, because she was writing in her diaries about, like, specific lines and 
it kind of goes, goes back to the thing I was saying last time about like the the idea that like her her uh, style is rhythm. She she really likes kind of the uh, the, the lines that she picks out will have you know they'll be like the poetic the strong poetic imagery, but they'll have like um it'll be like a line or two. It'll be like seeing the more heat of the sun, just like kind of the that rolling meter, um, or, 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 you know, whatever, whatever the, it, it, it's like she's drawn to the rhythm mm-hmm. of the line or two a lot more. Um, uh, which, yeah, I think it's interesting because that, uh, is, like I said, this kind of like idea of, of, of style in her own writing, how um, what she was trying to, how she, she was trying to like, judge her own sentences is against that idea of the meaning is in the meter as Shakespearean actors um and then yeah any questions about that well Shakespeare comes up a number of times in Miss Dalloway I said Shakespeare as a subject comes up I don't know I can't remember specifically but it's to me it was more like um Sort of a, a symbol of England. Smith went to war because he was the first to volunteer for war because he wanted to fight for yeah Shakespeare and stuff. Yeah, kind of like a symbol of England. But so that particular line, do you think that's an example of the style that she, you know, just one of her particular lines she liked? Um, or do, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure at some point she pulled that out and wrote about it in a diary somewhere. Yeah. But then, of course, like you said, the double meaning of the poem having a meaning, too. A, probably applicable. Oh, yeah. It's not, it's not just like, um, the way the words sound. Right, right, right. Um, and and how, they, how they tickle the ear. It's, We're all yeah, going to go to dust. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of like shading over everything in the in the in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, at least all of Clarissa's and a lot of things are mentioned of Clarissa. Anyways, um, yeah, that's why I wanted you to read that before we got started. Really. Okay. Um, the first thing that I have then underlined. Uh, I think that's eight. For me, I think our pages are different. Um, so this is right after she had reached the park gates. She stood for a moment looking at the omnibuses in Piccadilly. Do you know where I am? No, but go on. Pretty early. Okay. Uh, I can read this as you kind of... Um, yeah, as you kind of find it. Uh, yeah, it'd be like page one of the first five pages or something. Um. She would not say of anyone in the world now that they were this or that. She felt very young, at the same time unspeakably aged. She, she sliced like a knife through everything, at the same time as outside looking on. She had a perpetual sense as she watched the taxi cab of being out, out, far out, be and alone. She always had the feeling that it was very, very dangerous to live even one day. Mm-hmm. Not that she thought herself clever, but much of the ordinary how she had got through life on the very, on, on the few twigs of knowledge Caroline Daniels gave them, she 
not fame. She knew nothing. No language, no history. She scarcely read a book now, except memoirs and bad. And we'll get back to that. And yet to her, it was absolutely absorbing. All of the cab passing. And she would not say Peter. She would not say herself. I am this. I am that. Um, but yeah, that's a good like, little introduction to, to Clarissa. Um, but like the dichotomy of her experience of, of the world, you know, how it is to live a world, but also how um, extraordinary everything is. Um, and that, which which is very, like, deliberately connected in, in, that, in that paragraph, that idea that that kind of flux uh, of life makes so that, you know, one can't define things, like Wilde said, to define its limit. Um, and so, yeah, that, that, that fullness of life um, uh, kind of humbles the, the, the human tendency to define and determine it. Um, which is uh, very defining, or is not very defining, uh, but yeah, it's definitely a, a strong tendency for Clarissa. Um, both, both of those tendencies that, 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 that kind of all both positive and negative at the, at the, the fullness of life, and um, that kind of uh, she at least tries to make herself not, not judgmental of the people. Of things uh, that is that is a, a warning that she gives herself frequently. Okay. Okay. So, this is a quote that you want to talk about. Did it matter then? She asked herself, walking towards Bond Street. Did it matter that she must inevitably cease completely? All this must go on without her. Did she resent it, or did it not become consoling to believe that death ended absolutely? but that somehow in the streets of London, on the ebb and flow of things, here, there, she survived, Peter survived, lived in each other, she being part, she was positive of the trees at home, of the house there, ugly, rambling, all to bits and pieces as it was, part of people she had never met, being laid out like a mist between the people she knew best, who lifted her on their branches as she had seen the trees lift the mist, but it spread ever so far, her life, herself, but what was she dreaming as she looked into Hatchard's shop window? What was she trying to recover? What image of white dawn in the country as she read in the book spread open? Fear no more the heat of the sun, nor the furious winter's rages. I had a lot of that um, underlined yeah. too. What? I had a lot of that underlined as well. Yeah. But what did you want to say about it? <laughs> I thought it was a really good way of saying what I think a lot of people think about because um, you know it. life does feel like that I think it's just a very she's so good at expressing like I said last time which isn't literally true but the unexpressible you know what's hard to explain to ourselves about how life feels she's very good at yeah. giving a metaphor that explains it perfectly yeah a lot of this isn't necessarily like Clarence's exact little word like thought issues you have and kind of like how the soliloquies in Shakespeare won't always be you know what a, what a character is literally thinking to him or herself but like what a character would be thinking to him or herself if they you know were Shakespeare if they could fit into words um yeah this is this is more of a, a mood piece than uh, like a literal uh you know stream of conscious um kind of like a stream of semi-conscious 
Yes. Um, and again, get that the like that that idea of like the mist over everything, how how coarse uh, and, and interconnected we all are. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, 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 it's interesting that that ends with Spear No More to the Sun, um, as if like that reading that had been like unconsciously like prompting her thoughts, or uh, she just happens to be thinking about her. I think maybe. She had read that and, 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 and started on this kind of like, or had, you know, semi-consciously read that and started on that kind of, um, you know, uh, I don't know how you, how you would put it in one adjective, but uh, kind of melancholic rumination. Um, that, 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 that might be what happens. Uh, that's, that might be what the narration is implying, that she mm-hmm. uh, had, had, had semi-consciously taken it in. Um, and then get it, you know, overtly at, at, at the end there. Um, that's an interesting choice. Um, anything else about that one? Um, well, you know, having read the ending, I guess it's a, it's an interesting way to start the book, thinking about that and, um, how we're all connected. I mean, you know, obviously that's sort of the theme of the book in a way, but death and so forth and the meaning of it it's a good way she's really good at circling back to different themes that she expresses in different ways at different times in the book i think um yeah there's kind of a a a lot of little light motifs here mm -hmm. a lot of balloons that she's keeping in the air that come back down and flap them back up right cool uh, the next one I had was on the probably on the next page for you when it's um, but how often now this body she wore okay yeah um, but and where do I go to the end of the paragraph yeah okay but often now this body she wore she stopped to look at a Dutch picture this body with all its capacity seemed nothing nothing at all she had the oddest sense of being herself invisible unseen, unknown, there being no more marrying, no more having of children now, but only this astonishing and rather solemn progress with the rest of them up Bond Street, this being Miss Dalloway, not even Clarissa Clarissa anymore, this being Miss Richard Dalloway. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if there's anything you have to say that pretty pretty much stamped on its own. Um, Well, I was going to say, in terms of reading it for the first time, I think one of the, one of the intriguing things about the progress of the book is learning uh, the relationships between people. So, you know, Richard at this point, if you're just reading it for the first time, is sort of a mystery. So, you know, I think you bring a lot of thoughts about that era and what it's like to be married and so forth into wondering who Richard Dalloway is and what he's like. So it's really fun to learn, you know, Richard and then the other characters and how they relate to each other and how individual they are. But... uh at this point, we've only heard his name. Right. So. Uh, cool. And then I have a few uh, more underlines. I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work with me, like, directing you to read things. Okay, well, go ahead. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm just, I was thinking that way. Especially if you don't even have the same. Well, go ahead. Give it a go. Wherever you are, I'll find it. 
I mean, you can you can read it. Exactly. Okay, I'll try. Um, one of the things I have is for me on page fifteen, right after we switch to Testament four and Smith, um, a couple paragraphs down, where uh, everyone looks at the motor car. Testament looks always on bicycles spraying off traffic accumulated. And there the motor car stood with drawn blinds, and upon them a curious pattern like a tree, something with that. And its gradual drawing together of everything to one sense for its eyes, as if a horror had come almost to the surface and was about to burst into flame, terrified him. The world wavered and quivered and threatened to burst into flame. Um, so that was dark, kind of, uh, like I said, a heightening of, of Clarissa's sense of the world. And I believe it's to, to um, uh, this kind of, uh, like we were talking about last time, like the, the, the drawing together of the world, the kind of idea that everything's kind of enwebbed or enmeshed together, um, and how that can be related to horror, to, uh, yeah, this sense of, uh, the world's about to, something about to, to spark, um, the world wavered and quivered and threatened to burst into flames. Um, and of course, that's uh, as, as as we'll know more and more about um, that is in this specific context of customer being uh, having survived the war um, when things like the world wavering and quivering and bursting into flames happened, basically. Um, but yeah, but then it's also just kind of a uh, like 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 Richard Hill said, he 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 this as double. Um, and yeah, that's kind of a doubling of, of, of her own sense of the world. Um, then the next thing I have is like just the foreshadowing about like when Peter Walsh is like, uh, or, 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 or when yeah, she stiffened a little, so she would stand at the top of her stairs. To me, it's on page 17. Okay. Um, I don't know what page it is on for you. Um, just that, like, foreshadowing of, yeah, she has become, like, a perfect little hostess, like Peter Walsh would say. Mm. Um, with her little little parties and her little invitations. Um, her little, her little coming out to people and introducing them to each other and all that. Um... But the next thing I have is for me on page 21. So when they're in the park, when the, the, um, when the airplane goes by, mm-hmm. uh, when, when Rizia and Pesimus are in the park um, after the airplane has, has, has gone, gone past. Um, and so, yeah, this is Pesimus' reaction. So Pesimus looking at they are signaling to me. Not in actual words, that is. He cannot read the language yet, but it's plain enough. His beauty, his exclusive beauty, and tears filled his eyes as he looked at the smoke words languishing and melting in the sky and bestowing upon him in their inexhaustible clarity and laughing goodness, one shape after another of unimaginable, unimaginable beauty and signaling their intent to provide him for nothing, for, for looking merely with beauty, more beauty, Tears ran down his feet. Um, I don't have anything to say about that passage, but I just uh, thought that was 
uh, pretty telling of, of the Sesame and like um, like the, the brighter colored parts of, of, of his 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 experience, the the happier experience of it. Um, what do you uh, think? What do you think? Uh, um, this may relate to schizophrenia or something, but I feel like she could have written him where he wasn't getting messages. You know, I feel like that's a, a big part of who he is. He keeps getting these secret messages. And I'm sure that's common to like people who are sort of, you know, losing their mind or, in a, you know, mentally ill or something. But, you know, that's a big part of who he is. I wonder, I don't know. I just wonder if that that's something that, I mean, like, I'm thinking about how it relates to Clarissa and so forth, um, as his, as her double. What, what do you mean? What, yeah, what do you think about that? Um, I think that it reminded me of writing, to be honest, because writing to me is a way of working out what you're, what you subconsciously or, or, or intuitively think about all day or, or, you know, how you feel about the world and what you're trying to figure out in life. And, um, I think writing really helps you organize your thoughts and explain stuff to yourself. So that's what it made me think of is, uh, trying to express sort of the secrets that as we age, we think we're figuring out, you know, at least it's like something's going on. At least we're learning something as we go about. And, um, but I don't think we always express it to ourselves. And I think writers do that more than other people. Um, There's a connection between any kind of artist and mental illness or schizophrenia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, maybe so. Exactly. What's that book, Magic and Schizophrenia? Um, where schizophrenia is kind of just like a, uh, yeah, kind of a magical thinking taken to an extreme well, plus, um, he's trying to figure out the point, I guess, too, of, like, why me? Why am I chosen for this mission, you know, kind of like a prophet or something? But he's he's totally inept at being a prophet because he doesn't even, you know, he doesn't go anywhere with it. Um, and I don't think he knows how to go anywhere with it, you know? Like, he keeps trying to write it down. That's a big part of his relationship with his wife, writing down what he learns. Yeah, and there's, there's, like, disconnected things he writes down. There's no crime. Yeah, there's no crime. There's no crime. Right. There's no death. Uh, so it's like 24. Yeah. Um, uh, he waited, he listened to Sarah perched on the railing opposite Shirk's Testament, Testament four or five times over and went on drawing and that to think freshly and piercingly in Greek words how there is no crime and thrown by another Sarah, they say pierced in Greek words, some trees in the meadow of life, as river where the dead walk, how there is no death. Um, yeah, I think I think some of the problems that people have with Septimus as, uh, and Virginia thought she was, and thought Septimus was like, he, he absolutely essential to the novel, and people were like, why don't you take him out? <laughs> um, Really? Well, part of the problem is that he is so overtly mentally disturbed, so so mentally ill. But um, and so, how could she how, like like uh, like a totally separate experience of the world from Clarissa? Um, I guess for someone like Virginia Woolf, who had episodes where she was, you know, um, 
more mentally ill. Um, definitely had, had episodes where she thought birds were talking to her in Greek and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of like separateness that, you know, uh, most people kind of uh, imagine exists in the world between sanity and insanity was for her not as, as, as you know, uh, hard and fast. Yeah. Um, so, like, to her, yeah, like, the, the two characters like that could be in a continuum where one of them is, uh, you know, talking to birds and trees, <laughs> and the other is, you know, passing around beignets or whatever they eat, uh, whatever br- disgusting food British people force on themselves. Um, probably everything has, like, mustard and shit like that. Um well, yeah, yeah but yeah. it's weird to me. A lot of people, this is, these aren't totally disconnected characters, but for her. Right. Uh, yeah, they're just like uh, differences of kind, not dif- or differences of degree, not differences of kind. For her. <sighs> that annoys me that someone would read her novel and have that suggestion after reading it. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Take out stuff. Well, take out this half of the novel. It's the second half of the whole thing, almost. I mean, Peter yeah. Walsh is a big part, so maybe a third of it. But yeah, it's yeah. that's a that's there ridiculous to me. And it adds such a it adds it adds such a great texture to the novel that wouldn't be there otherwise because you'd have to imply a lot of yeah. the feelings that you get from Septimus. Like you said, it's a well, like she said, I guess Wolf said, it's two halves of the same coin, and. But you would have to imply so much more by just following Miss Dalloway around and hearing her thoughts without Septimus, who gives you such a nightmarish, interesting. Uh, yeah. And it's not. It's not. Fun it's not jarring. It's not. It's very well. It's like, like we said last time. It's woven like a, you know, like everybody fits together in this weird thing that we call life. You know. Um, so it's not stark or anything. It's, it doesn't feel different reading his parts, I don't think, in terms of like a different novel or something out of place. Anyway. Yeah, one thing I've been thinking about uh, reading this book is like uh, how how this works against like, uh, I don't know, uh, The Stranger or something. Like, a, like, like I think I used this term last time, like an existential like man trust the room or trapped in the room of her own head, uh, like starts na- uh, the na- nausea, the nausea, um, and how those are just like subjects, like individual people, and they're you know of walking around their subjective experience of the world, and mm-hmm. so not that. Um, yeah, this is you know uh, starting and stopping in this like a relay race or something. Um, and how I think this kind of novel would be, it feels really out of place and really weird to us. Because, I mean, for one thing, our experience, like, I, I think, subjectively, your experience of the world is as, as, as an individual person. <laughs> um, but also just, like, a uh, hundred years later, the kind of, like, hardening of, like, liberal individualism. I, I mean, like, lowercase l, liberal individualism. Um, kind of... Uh, yeah, it's just gotten further a pace, and and and, and it's, it's funny to think of like a writer like Carson who ended his life as like a like a like a Stalinist. <laughs> he was he was like trying to be a, a Maoist or something. Um, kind of being an emblem to me of like 
the literature of like liberal capitalism where you know it's just here's like the atomized individual just going about his day um as opposed to virginia wolf who's only writing like eight or ten years before the the nazi came out um writing such a like a different entirely different view of the world um, I don't necessarily want to date to one time or another, but it, it, it was like her view of the world. Um, but yeah, I think that's part of the reason that, that she feels so out of place to us, even though um, stylistically uh, she's very like avant-garde. Um, is it, yeah, or, or just like the way she experiences the world is uh, getting more and more unusual to us. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, can you... I don't know if you want to expand on that or if you think that – let me say something real quick and then I want to ask you a clarifying question. Um, I feel like the third-person aspect of it is very helpful to giving us sort of a distance between these characters. And like I said last time, reading it, I, I kind of feel like a bird flying around, like peering into people's uh, lives. Like I rest on a tree and I see the park and then I go by the window or whatever and I see the party. So that's what like that's that, kind of what it feels like. The the average short films, twenty seven short films about Springfield, where it's just like follow the bee and <laughs> goes from one thing. You always got the song, you always got those references to. Uh, it's one of my favorite episodes. So yeah, it's 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 ready to go. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but I was gonna say, so are you? You're basically saying that she lived in a time that was less. Uh, well, I, I do think she lived in a time that was I mean, obviously not like a pre-capitalist feudalism <laughs> where one could imagine like the networks between people a lot more easily because, you know, they were like legal. They were like legal networks, that, you know, uh, and like sacred. They were, you know, uh, doctrines of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I mean, for one thing, it was 100 years earlier. Um, and so... Uh, right. that was more, I guess it was more of like a contested thing, especially after like World War One, where everything was kind of more contested. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't necessarily want to like historicize it too much and take it up too much outside of, right. of, of just like her experience of the world. Um, well, I, yeah, it, it, it can just be like Virginia Woolf's experience of the world is so unusual to us generally mm-hmm. speaking as, you know postmodern neoliberal subjects or however you want to put it whatever mm-hmm. horrible terms you want to use to describe it yeah and i think any novel that is trying to make sense of the society before the internet before we had such mm-hmm. individualistic um what's the word just uh hobbies and and just interests that it used to not be that atomized at all. You know what I mean? Like the Bible, like yeah, you just said. Standing on the street looking at uh, airplanes in the sky. Yeah, there was, there was more communal. Like airplanes, anything yeah. that was new, it was it was communal more yeah, than today. Today it's... it's like you said in the 19th century and they're like reading books. It's like, why would you do that? <laughs> it's like, what else do you have to do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that that that's a difference, and I was gonna say too, which is kind of something I don't understand her perspective on, but that's a big part of the book. And 
like you brought up World War One, the patriotism and the sort of nationalism of the 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 English is it's kind of in the background. It's not explicitly uh, mocked or anything, and it's not explicitly. I mean, I don't get the sense that she's saying "rah rah, go Britain" or anything, but I think la- back then, at that time, because of World War One and other other aspects to life being different, that was a bigger question. I think, don't you? Well, yeah, I mean, um, than today, just like the the yeah, I, I think nationalism. I mean, before the multinational, international, you know, corporation, there's like yeah. you know, people. People now say nowadays will say I'm East and based in or whatever, as opposed to I live in London, you know. Yeah, yeah, that was just like a, a fact of life. Um, and even even a character on Peter Walsh who's like an open or or had been a you know open right hypothetically right, right, right. doesn't care about or, or hypothetically hates imperialism in the crown right has like this weird pride at being a uh, third generation indian overseer or overseer of india however you put that a third generation colonist <laughs> like a colonizer a literal like uh one of the guys who's like starving the people and <laughs> shooting them um or, I mean, not him, obviously, but yeah, uh, that's what they did in India. So. Yeah, I wish um, I had a quote ready because you just brought back to my memory his, um, despite himself, despite his biases, he right. finds himself loving and, and admiring all the things that are fond and and, and um, uh, yeah. normal to him about where he's from. Um, and civil, I, I mean, it's civilization. Yeah. I wish I could have that. I wish I had that open. I don't. I can't find it. But he's walking through yeah. the park and he sees things that are, you know. Okay, I, I think I have it. I think for me, it's page fifty-five. A splendid achievement in its own way. After all, London, the season, civilization, coming as he did from a respectable Anglo-Indian family, which for at least three generations has administered the affairs of the continent. It's she thought what a sentiment. Sentiment was one of his words. I have about that, disliking India and empire and army as he did. There were moments when civilization, even of this sort, seemed dear to him as a personal possession. Mm-hmm. Moments of pride in England, in butlers, in Chowdhury. Yeah. This was after he had seen, like, into a, Clarissa's, a yeah. A girl goes into a house and she sees that he sees, like, the, he's like, that's a nice house. Oh, I see. What, yeah, uh, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Peter saw through the open door to prove it. Is the sentence before the sentence I read? Uh, Still, there it is. And I mean, like I was saying about the first quote about the mist and everything. I mean, or maybe that was second, but um, I think a lot of people have that feeling that they can't really express to themselves about. And Clarissa talks about it a lot too. You know, it's just like a love of what you experience. You know, it's the only thing you know, and it's very habitual. A proprietary claim of her. Yeah, yes, a personal certain, possession, right. Certain, you know, the way you drive on the street, which in, you know, what, what, what street signs look like in your area or something. And I think, you know, an example would be the changing of the seasons, you know? People get used to what happens wherever they are about that, and there's sort of a, uh, you know, a fondness, no matter who you are, wherever you are, I feel like most people. Um, for where they are. Whenever you say you're LA and they're like, oof, 
people are like, oh man, you don't get the season. You don't get to do the season. And it's like, okay. Yeah, I'm sure you... 70 degrees every day. <laughs> That's funny. But I'm sure you miss a lot of stuff about LA, you know, that you got used to. In a way, I'm not. I'm not saying you miss it actively, but yeah, I I've fallen in love with everywhere I've moved, you know, and I really get, I really get used to uh, the stuff I get to see and just walk by, and it's like then it's gone, and somehow that's precious. But then it changes and life moves on. But something about it, like it, like you said, a per, like he says too, a personal possession, moments of pride. Anyway, I think that actually segues well into the next thing I had underlined, which going back to that like sequence we were at, okay. um, this is after Maisie Johnson um, and after the airplane kind of finishes. <clears throat> so there's like a, a line break and then what are they looking at said Clarissa? You know where I'm, for me it's like page 29. It would be like a few pages after where we were before the Peter Walsh quote. Okay, I'll find um, it if you start reading. But then, the, yeah, the next thing I wanted to talk about, and actually this, this is funny because this is, I, I have a for usual, I, I, I have a use paperback, and I think three different people have read this, and or I like put squiggly marks beside it, so, um, or highlighted. It's highlighted, I put a mark by it. Okay, <laughs> so it was her life. She heard the click of the typewriter. It was her life, and bending her head over the hall table. She bowed beneath the influence, felt blessed and purified, saying to herself as she took the pad with the telephone messages on the message on. How moments like this are the buds of the tree of life, flower the darkness they are, she thought. And some lovely rose had blossomed for her eyes only. Not for a moment did she believe in God, but all the more she thought, taking up the pad. Was one repay in daily life to servants, yes, to dawn and canaries. Above all, to Richard, her husband, who was the foundation of the, of the gay sounds of the green cookies, and for Miss Walker was Irish. For Miss Walker was Irish, Irish, and whistled all day. Um, one must pay back from the secret deposit of exquisite moments she thought, lifting pads while Lucy stood by her, trying to explain how. Um, so yeah, I think that I think that that, that kind of dovetails out of, out of what you were saying in that that. Um, uh, so, so taking those moments, kind of, um, cause the familiarness, that pleasing familiarness of life, um, which builds up into a secret of, of exquisite moments. Um, yeah, there, there, there's, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the reading that's again, let's check by it. How many, how many of the, the moments in this book are, are kind of like prefaced by, he was an atheist, or she didn't believe in God for a second, but um, she was an agnostic. However, um, yeah, those uh, uh, experiences of maybe not the, the supernatural, but the kind of like secular experience of, but for a um, a religious person would be a religious experience. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I, um, that's a good point. The generous part, like giving back what you have received. So you feel like you should share it. I think yeah. that, um, another thing is her kind of, 
Um, and I think she's doing it honestly, but justifying her parties, I think, is a part of it too. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking through... Because yeah. well, early on, right near one of the quotes you said, she was like talking about how her only skill is how she handles people. She's very good at yeah. meeting people, judging them, and treating them nice, and making them feel welcome and whatever. And she goes back to that a it's few a times. You know, like you said, the thing that stuck with her that Peter Walsh criticized her about was that she was the perfect hostess, you know. And that really right. annoys her because she knows that it's superficial, especially compared to, if you remember her early aspirations about uh, politics and, like, changing the world, you know, and writing essays or whatever about it and becoming the complete opposite of that, just kind of complacent about everything and fitting in yeah. at the top of the food chain and um literally standing at the top of her stairs <laughs> but i do think she's on like i think she's not i don't think she's lying to herself i guess is what i'm saying i think she's trying to explain it to herself yeah um i don't think she's sort of blinded by no, yeah, like who I, she is i, I, I know what you're saying she's kind of um yeah it, 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 it's it's not a deliberate lie but yeah I mean, how many times have we just wrong about herself there yeah. yeah. We like like people watch those where we're most of our lives are just like we're imagining them, you know. We make up so much of our lives. You know, but she doesn't necessarily owe anything. If her if her philosophy and her like meaning comes from these moments, you know, she's kind of trying to live that, right? Yeah, I, I it's not like I don't know. It's it's like I, I mean, I f- I found her origins interesting when she. I mean, I guess that's true for her, but a lot of people. Her, so her, exuberant about. Yeah, her when she started out, which is kind of a reflection of Sally Beaton. Right. Right. It was Sally when you marry a conservative. <laughs> Um, Literally, a Tory member of Parliament, a British conservative, which is like a, even that's like a they're like into the like the Queen and shit. Yeah, I guess the King. I forget. Well, you remember her being kissed by Sally was the happiest moment of her life. Oh yeah, she. I mean, it comes out overtly. Um, which I don't even know if we'll get to. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so sure we won't. Soon, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I guess for me, the 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 the, the next couple pages are uh, very important. Um, I have like paid, I have a lot of this like locked off and um, printed like uh, yeah exclamation marks and stuff. Um, but in a couple pages, she so she she finds out that. Um, she wasn't invited to the to the lunch party, and once again, and fear no more, said Clarissa, fear no more, the heat of the sun, <laughs> for the shock of Lady Britain asking Richard to lunch without her made the moment in which she, she had to shiver. As a plant on the riverbed feels the shock of a passing oar and shivers, so she rocked, so she shivered. And man, she is bummed about not getting that, invited. She talks, she talks about like the like her life kind of like ending. <laughs> it's like um, yeah. How, 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 she feels you, older. Yeah, she definitely feels ten years older just because she didn't get invited to a party, and just like the margin of her life getting smaller and smaller. Um, and 
then then yeah she she goes up to her room like a nun withdrawing or a child exploring a tower she went upstairs paused at the window came to the bathroom um and then she said something there was the green linoleum and tap dripping there is an emptiness about the heart of life an attic room um which i have underlined um yeah i i think that's just like an important certainly an important part of her experience um which uh attaches to what i'm uh the next line i have underlined which is um lying there reading for she slept badly she could not dispel a virginity per- per- preserved through childhood which clung to her like a sheet through childbirth like kind of of, or, sorry through childbirth <laughs> Yeah, that's that's actually an important thing. Um, so yeah, um, that kind of timidity, the death of the soul, the death of her her soul, as Peter Walsh would histrionically put it um, later. Um, kind of conventionality, virginity, actually is is like a, a word that she uh, will come back to. I think when she's when Peter Walsh comes into the room, she puts aside her dress like a virgin. Um, is a very punny word for Virginia Wolf to be concerned with. There's that remarkable little passage about like women together um, and how, how she'll feel like a frisson when she's talking to some woman about some scrapes and some mm-hmm. folly. Um, only for a moment, but it was enough. It was a sudden revelation. It seemed like a blush, and one tried to check, which one tried to check, and then as it spread, one yielded to its expansion. And rushed to the furthest verge, and there quivered, and felt the world come closer, swollen, and some astonishing significance, some pressure of rapture, which split its skin and gushed and poured with an extraordinary alleviation over the cracks and sores. And for that moment, she had seen an illumination, match born in, a match burning in a crocus, an inner meaning almost expressed. But the close withdrew, the hard softened. Sorry, the close withdrew, the hard softened was over the moment um yeah both the illumination and the de-illumination i think are important um and that yeah the the, that word there the moment the moment of being is like an important idea for her um and she who has schooled uh certainly in like uh aestheticism would um some 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 echo there of privileged moments of Walter Peer. um and yeah, that, that abandonment uh, that she was so charmed and attracted, uh, charmed to and attracted by with Sally. Um, yeah. As she says, you know, laughing in so many British people, or British women, um, relative to other other members of the European continent. Um, yeah, and that's something that she, she occasionally, at least for her and her relative experience of uh, more abandonment, which, which would be able to abandon herself the moment that mm-hmm. um, at some point it would not. <laughs> she'd come back to herself. She, well, you know, uh, returns to the prison of, 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 of herself. Something I want to say is the, the interesting, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Similarities between Sally and her path in life. Because there is a part of the experience of oh sally's kiss was the happiest moment that is sad because it's sort of like what could have been but then i think and i don't know if this is the era and the upbringing or what but 
there's another aspect to it of survival and kind of instinct about like deciding between Peter and Richard and Sally and all that. Um, that kind of kicks in. Like I have to make a choice that will help me survive in the culture in which I live. You know, what's the best choice in terms of survival? And Sally and her both made very practical choices. You know, even Sally, who was such a, you know, sort of someone you might think could make a choice that would be uh, against the grain, didn't do that. She married a millionaire and and didn't, you know, didn't go live with a woman or anything. So that was an interesting similarity that, you know, because there's a there's a loss and yeah. sort of like oh a sadness to it. But also it's like sort of dependent upon maybe personality and where you are in life. And the woman in that culture, in that time, probably was thinking or trained to think at least about survival, you know? Um, she had like a, a, a open relationship, I guess, uh, with with women specifically. The one woman, if we if we do talk about Orlando, the novel, um, there's the what's her name, Vita something Stackwall Oren or uh, Vita Stackwall West. These fucking British people. Um, Long <laughs> she had like kind of like an open relationship with or, or that she uh with with her lover for like eight years or something mm. uh, uh, i guess it's, yeah I, I don't know if they want to end it um but yeah that was like 20 years or so it's pretty significant um but yeah that, that was virginia wolf's own uh life which isn't exactly obviously clarissa's uh clarissa's abilities uh aren't exactly the same as uh, a neo-pagan Virginia Woolf. Which wasn't necessary. I mean, what's the difference between living with a guy who owns a, uh, you know, who owns a, uh, what do you call it, a uh, publishing house versus uh, living with somebody who is a conservative, 1920s British conservative. Uh, There's a pretty significantly different uh, group 